Welcome to the podcast. John Campbell, PhD, is one of the most well-known YouTube presenters on the matters of health and medicine with a bit more than 2,700,000 followers. John obviously makes a lot of money from YouTube, and I think it's fair to say he's well-respected. Tons of followers, making lots of money, well-respected, not a bad combination. So it may surprise you to know I feel really bad for John. When I say that, I mean 100% sincere. My heart goes out to him. Stay with me and I'll tell you why. The Dr. Reality Vodcast with Dave Champion. Let's start with this. We all know YouTube engages in mass censorship concerning SARS-CoV-2, COVID-19, and the vaccines. If you share any facts that contradict a public health agency, your content is removed. If you continue to share scientific truth with your audience, then your channel is removed. Ask me how I know that. What does it tell us that John remains on YouTube today? I'll get there shortly, but let's look at John's early SARS-CoV-2 content. Throughout 2020, 2021, and the early part of 2022, he happily parroted the establishment narrative. He fit into YouTube censorship policies perfectly. If there was a narrative put out by the government, John was right there the next day telling his audience how right, correct, factual, and scientific that narrative was. But around early 2022, John's outlook began to change. I don't want to put words in his mouth, but I think it would be fair to say the first two issues that cracked open the door in his mind that perhaps the establishment narrative was not completely factual were the issues of worldwide excess deaths and the emerging reality that mRNA vaccines weren't particularly effective at stopping infection by or transmission of the virus. After that, it seemed a cascade of studies began altering John's outlook. Those studies concerned things such as the effectiveness, or lack thereof, of so-called mitigation measures, lockdowns, social distancing, and masks, followed by vaccine injuries, natural immunity versus vaccine-induced immunity, governments recommending the vaccines for young children, bivalent boosters being approved without human trials, the almost complete lack of early treatment for COVID-19, spike protein movement throughout the body, and other medical issues. Then came his growing awareness that the politics of money and power were behind decisions John had begun to view as unscientific and medically unsound, such as recommending boosters to children and the conflicting narratives on the origin of the SARS-CoV-2 virus. And of course, once he began discussing the science that contradicted the official positions of various government health agencies, for the first time in his life, he ran into censorship. I can only imagine that as a person who believes passionately in facts and science, John was thoroughly disconcerted by YouTube giving him the choice of withholding the truth from his viewers or being deplatformed. When I first started watching John back in 2020, I was conflicted. I valued the data he was presenting, even though I knew some of it was distorted or outright falsified by the sources from which he had acquired it. Of course, I was analyzing data and presenting it on my own YouTube channel, so I knew the conclusions John was stating were often not factual. But the part of watching John back in 2020 and 2021 that was problematic for me was his complete faith in the government and large institutions of the establishment. John took as gospel everything those agencies and institutions said, even if they lied and obfuscated. To be blunt, it struck me as sycophantic. Unlike John, from March of 2020 onward, I recognized that the government's response, which in the U.S. was primarily state action following directives out of D.C., 
was neither credible nor effective. I also had serious questions about the government's narrative of the virus itself and the disease it causes in some people. This presentation would be very long if I went into all of that. Instead, I'll share a single sentence I often use during 2020 and 2021 to distinguish reality from the government's narrative and media propaganda. That sentence is, government can't stop a virus. When I watched John in 2020 and 2021, I respected his dedication to facts and science while knowing most of the narratives his presentations painted as factual were, in reality, false. That said, I never had a shred of animosity towards John for what he was doing or saying. I knew John believed everything he was saying. He blindly believed whatever agencies and institutions put out because... In terms of what politicians, government bureaucrats, and trillion-dollar industries will conspire to do, John had lived a sheltered life and hadn't yet grown up. That may sound like an insult, but it's not. Given his career path and life experience before 2020, he'd never seen that particular beast in action. As such, his naivete can be both understood and forgiven. I, on the other hand, had seen that beast repeatedly in my life and was well aware of the perfidy of politicians, bureaucrats, and leaders of million-dollar industries, most especially when they conspire to harm the public. As I'm recording this, I'm 63 years old, and after all the years I've seen what they do, I remain highly disturbed by politicians, bureaucrats, and leaders of trillion-dollar industries actively conspiring to harm the public. Yet they do it. All the time. I might even go so far as to say it's what they do. Conspiring to harm the public comes as easily to them as just breathing to me and you. Because of that, where John saw rectitude, I saw massive reprehensible disinformation. So who taught me to distrust government and trillion-dollar industries? The government and trillion-dollar industries. In my wayward youth, I decided it would be nifty to join the military and become part of the special operations community. And so I did. I became an army ranger. That was during the early 80s. Reagan was president and Central America was the primary hotspot for spec ops units. Years later, I discovered that the narrative we'd been fed about which side was supporting freedom and which side was anti-American, murderous thugs, was essentially a complete inversion of the facts. Imagine running ops, with all that entails, against people fighting for their freedom because your government told you they were the bad guys. As a side note, there's a great video out there in which retired Special Forces Master Sergeant Stan Goff explains the reality of what spec ops units really do in contrast to what the public thinks they do. I'll put a link to that video in the show notes. Being too stupid to have learned my lesson from the military, when I returned to civilian life, I went into law enforcement. There, I discovered all sorts of ugly truths about how the system works. One of those ugly truths is if you are successful at significantly reducing gang and drug activity, you become an adversary of the police department executives. You see, a meaningful reduction in street crime threatens the agency's budget. Because an agency's budget comes from politicians who want to get reelected, the public must be kept in, per in a perpetual state of fear about crime and drugs, clamoring for more government. Preventing street crime and drugs from being reduced is obviously not what the citizenry thinks police are there to do. It's one of the many truths about how police agencies operate, of which the public is unaware, and would probably struggle to believe it if they saw it with their own eyes. Because I saw it with my own eyes, I couldn't stay. Not too many years after entering the private sector, I had a run-in with the IRS. 
I own my own business and had an accountant on retainer. I wasn't looking for a conflict with the IRS, but as I mentioned a minute ago, I learned about the perfidy of government from my interaction with government, and this is yet another example. As fate would have it, while discussing the IRS issue with some friends one night at dinner, they told me that Congress had never imposed the income tax on ordinary working Americans, and the narrative that everyone owes income tax was a scam. To be clear, I didn't immediately assume that was true. The only reason I even gave it a second thought is the men who told me about it were both highly intelligent. Neither was the kind of person to repeat something like that without having researched it. That conversation took place in 1992 or 93, which was before the internet was a viable tool, so they gave me the names of two books on the subject and told me where to get them. In fact, they refused to tell me anything more about the matter unless or until I showed the gumption to buy those books and read them, which I did, promptly. Even after reading the books, I wasn't convinced, but the IRS's actions and what I found in the books was enough to pique my curiosity a lot. Because I had followed through on buying and reading the books, my friends then not only shared with me more, but introduced me to others in what eventually became known as the tax honesty movement. Once my own research verified that Congress had never imposed the income tax on ordinary working Americans, it was game on. Since I knew most Americans believed the government's propaganda, its disinformation, and were afraid, literally afraid, to even consider the government had lied to them about something on that scale, I knew if I was ever to reach my fellow citizens with the truth, the evidence would have to be copious, comprehensive, and indisputable. 17 years after that first conversation, I published Income Tax Shattering the Mist, which fulfills all of those requirements and more. Income Tax Shattering the Mist hit the market 12 years ago, and the jury is still out in my mind on whether the American people have the balls to do anything about it. Perhaps after seeing what the government did during COVID, Americans are more open, less afraid to take off their blinders and have a look at the truth. I should probably add, I haven't filed an income tax return or paid a penny in income tax since 1993, because I know what the law really says. Eventually, I began studying human physiology. Because physiology is a hard science, there wouldn't be government or industry disinformation on that, right? After living through 2020, 21, and 22, I imagine everyone is now aware government and billion-dollar corporations can, and do, buy any scientific results they want. A former British Journal of Medicine senior editor wrote an article, perhaps two years ago, in which he stated he believes 40% of all published science is fraudulent. Not mistaken, fraudulent. Other expositors have estimated that up to 90% of all published science contains such errors as to render it unreliable. My physiology studies revealed what was, for me, a shocking difference between how the human body actually operates and the narratives that have been put out to the American people for the last 40-plus years by government and trillion-dollar industries. The human body is an amazing biological structure comprised of tens of thousands of integrated systems all working in perfect harmony. To say I am in awe of how the human body operates would be one of the all-time great understatements. So, with our consciousness riding in such an amazing biological system, how come the American people are the most chronically ill society in all of human history? Once again, it's because government and trillion-dollar industries conspired to create those trillions of dollars in revenue for those industries. The only catch was, you have to be sick for it to work. 
Of course, that wasn't a problem for government bureaucrats or leaders of those industries who have a revolving door with one to the other. There is no money in healthy people, nor in dead people. But there are trillions of dollars to be made from sick people. And here we are, the most ill society in history. As a side note, in my book, Body Science, I not only lay out the truth about how human physiology really works, but I detail the decades of government and industry disinformation that has led to Americans being the sickest people in human history. To recap, my lesson about government and industry lies began after I left the military. Want to keep a vicious tyrant in power because he'll do whatever the U.S. tells him? Easy peasy. Just lie to young American men so they'll feel justified in murdering the people who are actually fighting for freedom. Back at home, have police department brass knowingly, willfully, and intentionally take steps to ensure as many people die from drugs and street violence as necessary to keep the agency's budget going. Want to commit the largest financial crime in the world? No sweat for the government and the trillion-dollar private sector compliance industry. Engage in a 60-year massive disinformation campaign while tossing in a little domestic terrorism. And boom, you've got it. Hundreds of millions of brave Americans get down on their knees and do whatever they're told. The experiences I've just shared with you are why I'm known for the sentence... The government lies, lies all the time, and lies even when the truth would serve it well. I shared these experiences to explain why I feel bad, even sad, for John. I've known since my early 20s that the federal government will lie to get whatever it wants without regard to the consequences to completely innocent people. I've known since my late 20s that local governments are more than willing to run scams on the public. Agency executives actively support the scam to protect their budgets, even when the scam harms or even kills members of the community they swore to serve. I've known since my early 30s that the federal government is committing the largest financial crime in world history, and its victims are the very people for whom the government supposedly exists to serve. I've known since my 50s that the U.S. government and trillion-dollar industries have actively conspired to make the American public the most ill society in human history, with both entities having no problem making you sicker and sicker, so the revenue of those industries continues to grow. I believe John's awakening about government is like a person discovering after years of marriage that his or her spouse had repeated affairs. John believed in the fidelity of government as much as most people believe in the fidelity of their spouse. Learning it's all been a lie and that fidelity isn't there is painful. I'm guessing John is about 70 years old and he's believed in the fidelity of government for roughly 50 years, only learning the truth about a year ago. How painful is that at his age after decades of believing government is trustworthy? A few minutes ago, I mentioned John's early content exhibited a sycophantic belief in government and other large institutions. We've also discussed John's awakening. So where does John stand today? Again, I don't want to speak for John, but I think it's fair to say he's now on the opposite side of the fence, essentially doubting the credibility and intentions of any agency, institution, or person who is saying in 2023 the things John was saying in 2020 and 2021. Given John's awakening and his near-complete 180, how is it he's still on YouTube? Simple. If John presents data that conflicts with or disproves the position of government health organizations, he refrains from stating those conclusions. Instead, he tells his audience he's not allowed, his words, not allowed, to say those things. John and I have different temperaments. I was unwilling to play that game. 
I stated the facts plainly, including scientific conclusions disproving government health agency positions. So YouTube removed my channel. John has chosen a different path. I don't know that there's a right or wrong on this. I'll merely say I was unwilling to be muzzled in the slightest when people's lives were on the line. I will always speak the truth plainly as I know it, and corporations like YouTube can go fuck themselves. That doesn't make John's approach wrong or bad. Here's an interesting side note to all this. Most people know, or I hope they know, that Wikipedia's content is now controlled by government and trillion-dollar industries. If there are two sides to an issue, on Wikipedia, you'll only find the information the establishment wants you to see. In other words, Wikipedia engages in censorship to the same extent as do companies like Facebook and YouTube, perhaps worse. The Wikipedia page on John is quite amusing. It portrays John as being a good guy doing good work in 2020 and 2021 then characterizes him as spreading misinformation beginning in 2020. In other words, as long as John was asleep and trusted everything the government and Big Pharma put out, he was doing good work. But once the science and the perfidy of government officials roused him from his slumber and he began seeing them and their narrative for what they are, Wikipedia then portrays him as one of those nutty conspiracy theorists spreading disinformation. Funny how that works. I should also point out the people who are accusing John of spreading misinformation are the ones spreading disinformation that results in injury or death. I'll choose the good heart of John Campbell any day, all day, over the reprehensible immorality of those condemning him. If you'd like to learn the truth about the income tax, allow me to encourage you to go to drreality.news and pick up a copy of Income Tax Shattering the Myths. Same with the truth about human physiology. If you want to leave all the disinformation behind and discover how to get incredibly healthy, go to drreality.news and grab a copy of Body Science. Either or both will be the most fascinating books you've ever read. You have my word on that. Also, by purchasing Body Science and or Income Tax Shattering the Mist, you help me to continue to be here for you with these thought-provoking presentations. Please share this vodcast, and thanks for being here. Take care.